in Matthew 20, Jesus told a parable. And it was shocking to those who heard it. And I think as I read it, you'll find it a little shocking too. And uh, in fact, the disciples were so shocked when they heard it, and they had been with Jesus all this time, that they went out and started vying for positions in the kingdom. It shook them up. Uh, So listen as I read this parable from Matthew 20. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About one-third... About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the very same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So, When those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't have I the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Wow. Isn't this a shocking, interesting parable? It seems pretty unfair to those who worked all day that they got the same pay as those who came in in the last hour. And however, apart from that, think about your own life um, and think about the people around you, either now maybe or in the past, that didn't work very hard and they got maybe a better promotion, a raise, some recognition, and maybe you were there doing a lot more and doing it even better, and you watched them get a raise. And so what is Jesus saying here? Is he going against hard work? Because we've been taught all our lives that if we work hard starting when we started little, work hard in school and you'll get an A, Work hard at work and you'll get a promotion. Work hard at what you do, give it your best. And so we've been taught that and we teach our kids that. And what is Jesus saying? Don't work hard? No, I think he's saying this is how the kingdom 
of the earth works. You work hard, you usually get a reward. You get uh, promoted or you get validated for good, hard work. But he's saying that isn't the way it works in the kingdom of God. He's saying you don't have to work for what I'm giving you, your salvation. It is sheer grace. It is a gift, your salvation. You know, we've heard this. If you've been around this church very long or in the church, we use that word grace a lot. Rarely any Sunday school class, adult class sermon, we don't hear about God's grace. And so we hear that word often, but it's a little difficult sometimes. How, how do we live this out? What does it mean to live out God's grace? Because it goes against the way we've been trained, against the very way we reason. Uh, we've been taught from an early age that fairness and hard work matter. They're important. And if you watch a bunch of children play, it won't be long until you hear one of them saying, that isn't fair. It's sort of built into us that we want fair fairness. I remember being very young, and my mother was baking a cake, and uh, she asked me if I wanted to help her, and I was delighted. So I worked really hard to bake a cake, and it was a beautiful cake, and I wanted to eat it, and she said, no, after dinner, so she sat up there, and I watched that cake all day. My brother was around. He was sitting in the chair doing nothing, watching us. So at dinner, after dinner, it was time for the cake. So she got the cake down, and she began to serve us. And I looked, and she gave my brother a huge piece, and he'd done nothing. And I'd worked. She gave me this little piece. And I said, ah, oh, that's not fair. But the fact that I still remember the size of the cake <laughs> I got when I was a child tells you how deeply ingrained within me is uh, the concept of fairness and reward for hard work. Maybe it's just me, but I suspect you remember a size of a piece of cake you received in the past or didn't receive. But to be honest, if I hadn't worked hard and gotten a bigger piece of the cake and my brother had gotten a smaller, you wouldn't have heard from me. I wouldn't have complained about that because that's how we are, our very nature. Andy Stanley writes about this. He said, how do you respond when you get more than your fair share of something good? Do you turn it down? Of course not. You're like me, writes Stanley. You thank God and keep moving very fast before somebody changes his mind. You rarely ever said, not fair, my piece is bigger than everyone else's. So when it comes to fairness, we're all a bit selective. But we do live in a world that upholds hard work and reward and sees it as fair. We live and promote a wage-based society in which you earn what you get. Then in Christ, we find grace. And we don't know exactly how that fits with serving Christ and living in grace, because grace is dangerous. What happens when Divine goodness trumps human fairness. You get today's parable. You also get other scriptures. So like, so the last will be first and the first will be last. This is not how we think. This defies our understanding of how things should work. You know, and most religions, if you think about it, 
They teach, work hard, and earn a lot of points with God. And if you, are, if you do more good things than you do bad things, you're going to get in the kingdom of heaven. And Christianity, of course, does not, has a totally different concept. Grace in Christianity says all we have to do to please God and to get into heaven is have a relationship with his son Jesus. Even before Jesus came and the new covenant began, the Old Testament people performed to be acceptable to God. And we perform because God through Jesus already has accepted us. So here we are in a paradox that's a little difficult to live out. Worldly rewards come from hard work, but in the kingdom of God, grace rules. In the kingdom of heaven, grace is the gift. How does grace operate? Well, grace looks beyond our product, productivity, our appearance, our dress, our race, our ethnicity, our accomplishments, and our failures. Grace recognizes that there's more to you than what you do or you left undone. Grace says, I did for you what you could not do. Save yourself and give you a new life. Grace says you no longer have to live by the law but you're free to live a gratitude out of a life of gratitude for what Jesus has done. And Jesus not only has given you salvation, but he will give you everything you need to live a new and better and fulfilling life. So we're still working in his kingdom, but our work comes from a heart of gratitude and not working to earn God's favor. Working to earn God's favor and working from a Heart of gratitude looks the same on the outside. You're working hard. But when you work with a heart of gratitude, it is transformational to your life. And I struggle with this concept, especially when I'm feeling guilty. And sometimes I'm working harder because I feel guilty about something and forget that that doesn't matter. And uh, when I remember that, uh, it's so different when I'm working to earn it or make up for something than when I'm living just grateful that he saved me and chosen me and giving me a way of life. Grace is really hard to define, but we see it in scripture story after story. And I'm sure you have your own grace story because God, it always reveals the goodness of God. Grace pays that eager beaver who comes in the, at five, the same as it pays the guy who's worked all day. A grace, grace is the father looking down the road for his son, and he sees him. He sees him dirty, sin-filled, filthy, beaten down, and he runs out, and he says, welcome home, son, let's have a party. Grace is Jesus raising bloodshot eyes to the thief on the cross who just asked him, remember me when you get in paradise. And Jesus, in his agony and pain, says, you bet. Jesus is the grace who, by the pleasure of the Father, came down to earth, left heaven's sake, not for heaven's sake, but for our sake, yours and mine, it works without asking anything of us. It's not cheap. Grace is not cheap. Jesus paid it. 
as he died looking down from a blood-stained body crying, forgive them, they know not what they do. Grace often breaks in and humbles us when you know you've been unfaithful to God and then you get a blessing or something wonderful and you know that it's only God's grace. Because the Father's love is so deep and wide, it can't be easily comprehended and it's hard to receive. We have trouble receiving that consistently. Why? Because we know we don't deserve it. And we don't. But the kingdom of heaven doesn't operate on fairness of hard work and reward. The kingdom of heaven operates solely on God's grace. And when we get that, really get it, and it's hard to get, and that we work even harder because we're so grateful. We want to express that gratitude. You know, uh, if any of you know me very well, you know I'm an animal lover. And uh, I feed stray cats, raccoons, squirrels, foxes. Anything that shows up at my back door hungry, well, welcome to Fletcher's Kitchen. Let me see what I can give you. And I also feed the birds. And for a few years, I've been feeding a pair of cardinals that come, the male and the female, and they come and sit on the deck rail, and he stares at me, and I throw him a peanut. And so, and I enjoy watching. They're just beautiful, as you know. So the other day, the cardinals, I was really kind of in a funk and because of my own failures, and uh, these two cardinals came to the deck. And it just made me so happy, so I got a peanut, and I threw it out. And in the past, especially in the spring, when I threw the male a peanut, he would tur turn very tenderly to his mate and give her one, and then I would give him another, and it always touched my heart. And so I looked at him, and he, it, because it's fall, all his feathers were really deeply, deeply crimson, and he had this little crown on his head, and he looked a little cocky. And here's the less pretty wife, mate, right with him. So he looks at me, and I throw the peanut, expecting him to turn to her. And she did, too. She looked right at him. And instead of giving it to her, he picked her and ate it himself. And she was shocked, and so was I. I think if Cardinals got divorced, she would have filed that day. <laughs> but then I had the thought that I knew was from God, that that thought was, Colleen, do you love that Cardinal any less because he's not perfect, because he's having a bad day. Does that change your feelings about this beautiful creature? Of course, that message to me was pretty obvious. My many failures didn't matter to God, because he loves me for me, and he loves you for you. And at that moment, I felt the unrelenting love of God. I'm sure you've had their, those moments. They're really hard to take. And I gave that cardinal grace, grace that he didn't deserve. I felt God was speaking to me and was showing me his grace. And that grace turned my attitude to, to gratitude. And when we're living in a life of gratitude, it's much more joyful. Grace says God accepts us, not because of our effort, or doesn't accept us because of our failures. He accepts us simply because of what Jesus has done. It's not oh, obey and work hard and I'm accepted by God. The operating principle of grace is I am accepted by God 
through Jesus Christ and what he's done. Christ didn't have to die for me or for you, but we're so loved and valued that Jesus was glad he wanted to die for us. And you know, that gives you the feeling you can't feel superior to anyone when you think like that because you have nothing to prove. And blowing fairness to bit was what Christ did for us at the cross. And in what is the most unfair exchange of all times, God did what was very unfair. He laid the sin of the world on his one and only son so that we could experience forgiveness and a new life. The cross is not fair. The cross was the greatest injustice in the history of the world because we've all violated God's law. Maybe the guy coming in at five does have more sin than the one that came in late. But Jesus willingly paid for both. God's grace does not seem fair to the self-righteous. We know that the Pharisees who were self-righteous didn't like to hear about these stories and God's grace because for those who recognize how undeserving they are, it is truly wonderful for all. And there's a story of a man who died and went to heaven. And uh, so Peter met him at the at the gates, and uh, the man was expecting to go right in. And Peter said, no, hold, hold it. Uh, you have to qualify to get in. And I have to qualify? How? He said, well, up here we have a point system, and only those who have enough points get into heaven. Points, the man said. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, but I want to get in. Peter said, it's simple. We just determine how many points you have by the life you've led. So tell me about your life, and if you have 100 points, you'll go right in. The man thought for a minute, and he said, well, I was a faithful member of my church for over 45 years. I served as a deacon. I served as an elder. I taught Sunday school. Peter said, very good. You get one point. One point. Wow. What can I come up with? Well, I was a good husband, I was a good father, I gave a tithe, I contributed to all sorts of charities, I helped with various civic projects, and I served several communities. And does that count for anything? The man says, sure it does, Peter. He said, you get one point. Oh. So the man's face sank, and he said, I can see it now. I'll never make it in there. The only way I'll ever get into this place is by the grace of God. Peter smiled and said, and that, my friend, is worth 98 points. Welcome to the kingdom of God. I end this sermon with a verse that says it clearer and very succinctly. With Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for making it possible that we don't have to constantly worry if we're good enough to please God or if we're good enough to go into the kingdom of heaven. You took all of our sin and died for it and you gave us your righteousness as we believe in you and give 
give our lives to you, and you give us everything and the instructions we need to live a peaceful and grateful life. Just be with each of us as we struggle in this messed up world with so many values that aren't of the kingdom, that we can truly know how much you love us and that we have a purpose on this earth as we live for you, and we're grateful for it, that you entrust us to be called the body of Christ. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.